The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. We are dedicating this episode and the chat, specifically the chat, the 10 minutes of chat <laughs> that is very controversial to our former follower, Susie. I mean, this will come out a week from now, but today... I hope she listens just to say if we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she doesn't have the time for that? Excuse me? Um, today we... We posted to our story, but we just got like a absolutely unhinged message from a woman named Susie who um, insulted too me. Too busy at the gym and too busy gardening to forward and skip to the timestamp. And who's got time for that? And she needs to take her gloves off to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And said that we're like trash because we clearly don't listen to our listeners. And so I had to reply back to her and I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. For every one message we get, of people that don't like the chat we get like 20 from people who do like the chat i'm just trying to make it easier for those who do not yeah i don't know like i really can't make it easier we also have the disclaimer now telling you that there's a timestamp, and i get it like if you don't like the chat if you don't like us if you don't like the podcast that's fine i, I don't fucking care i w- i would like for everyone to like the podcast but obviously that's not realistic it's okay to not like certain things you should just move on with your life find podcasts that you like you don't need to to message podcasters Life's too short for bad mean podcasts. things. <laughs> yeah. Like, just move along. There's podcasts that I like and podcasts that I don't like. So anyways, Suze, this one's for you. I'm going to chat about the weather because <laughs> it is so hot and humid here. I literally had to change before we started recording because I turned off my air conditioner to record. And I got an ice pack when we started recording. We just recorded an episode for Patreon. So it's been a half hour probably. I got an ice pack to try to keep me cool. And the ice pack is already just like not cold anymore. I was just saying it was like quite nice and sunny. And then all of a sudden I can hear this rain outside. It's so, so, so loud. It's crazy. Yeah, it's supposed to storm here because it's been so humid. But it hasn't happened yet. We don't get like any exciting weather here. I finally watched the Netflix Murdoch documentary. Mm. It was really good. If you guys haven't watched it, you should watch it. Because I, it took me so long to actually watch it because I was like, I know this whole story. I don't need to watch a documentary about it. I've heard this story a billion times. We did an episode on it. It's going to be boring to me. But it was actually really interesting because they interview a bunch of the kids, um, Paul and Buster's friends. So it's like you're getting this like juicy high school, <laughs> teen, young adult gossip, which I fucking love. So I really liked it because you got to hear a lot of um, like inside scoop from them and the girl who dated Paul for a long time was on it so it's really interesting and I think they're coming out with like another couple episodes yeah, since he's been arrested because this was before I don't know if you you've seen this story that I, I probably haven't because I think it's since we were recording but Lifetime have announced that Bill Pullman is going to play Alec in their 500th original movie oh really <laughs> which like there's a photo I'm pretty sure it must be of him and it, like I can kind of see it. I'm still undecided if I would that would have been my cast. Someone said Michael Rappaport would have been a great one, which I also agree that probably would have been a great 
version of Alec, but um, like I'm, I think I can maybe see Bill, Bill Pullman as it. Yeah, I just looked him up so I could like look and think about it. If they style him right, I think he Yeah, someone good. said as long as I get the hair color right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like if you don't know who Bill Pullman is, he was in Independence Day. That's like my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> never seen that. Have you never seen Independence Day? That's probably, no. probably a few years too young for that one. <laughs> I just, I don't, there's so many movies I haven't seen. Mike gets so annoyed at me. <laughs> I'll, I'll add it to my list that I'll get to eventually <laughs> but yeah i did like that it was good um i feel like there's something else i was gonna say about him maybe not oh yeah i remember what i was gonna say about the murdochs watching this documentary do you know how many of those fucking reporters said that name wrong <laughs> i was pissed the amount of people that said alex murdoch alex murdog alex mur whatever Murdoch, Mur- Mur- yeah, I don't know. Did they get a billion messages from <sighs> everyone in South Carolina being like, you don't even know how to say their name? You're not local. Probably not. <laughs> Anyways, that, that was what I wanted to say. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so today, the bulk of the episode, we're going to be talking about Mackenzie Shrilla. She, she's a 19-year-old female from Ohio. Her trial just ended, so she was in the news a good amount. Even though it's like a pretty crazy case, a good amount of people filed it online, but it wasn't really big headline news or anything, but it is kind of a ridiculous story. Um, So we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about some updates with there's new info out about BTK Killer, and we have an update on Johannes Kadane, who we did an episode on um, maybe like two weeks ago. Yeah. Two episodes ago. Um, we'll talk about them at the end, but I will put timestamps for the start of each little section in the notes. So if you just want to skip around, you could just go right to whatever part you want to listen to. Okay. So I'm going to start with Mackenzie. She was just convicted of murder. Murder. <laughs> she was just convicted of murder, aggravated vehicular homicide, and felony assault following the death of her boyfriend, Dominic Russo, and a friend, Davion Flanagan, in 2022. She intentionally drove her car into a wall at 100 miles per hour, causing their deaths. I guess the debate was she, of course, said she didn't intentionally crash the car. And that's kind of was the, the debate of the trial of did she do it on purpose or didn't she? So Sharilla appeared in court today with her right arm wrapped in a sling. And as soon as the prosecutor began the opening arguments narrating the details of the deadly crash, she broke down into tears. 6.15 in the morning, Strongsville police and emergency personnel uh, received the 911 call. Opening arguments for the trial of Mackenzie Sharilla, facing charges of murder, felonious assault, and aggravated vehicular homicide for a crash in northwest Strongsville in July 2022. The prosecution saying the then 17-year-old was driving with her boyfriend, 20-year-old Dominic Russo, and his 19-year-old friend, Davion Flanagan, in the car when she intentionally crashed the vehicle and killed her two young passengers. The prosecutor says right before the crash, Sharilla was going 100 miles per hour, showing surveillance footage of the high-speed incident to the courtroom. The prosecution saying it plans to present a witness who alleges they heard Sharilla threaten Russo's life in the weeks before the crash. That he observed at that time the defendant striking Dominic Russo with both hands and that he overheard her make a statement, uh, an admissible statement, and she said, Dominic, I'm going to crash this car. 
we find that it is especially and important to her state of mind just two weeks later when she used a car to kill Dominic Rousseau. But the defense says the crash wasn't purposeful, and if anything, Shirilla was being reckless, and there are many possibilities to the cause, including the deployment of the side airbags. But it's a significant force. Among many others. Is it just kids being kids? Is it Dominic grabbing the steering wheel? Is it Mackenzie maybe speeding and say, oh my God, dark out, it's light, I'm coming up to this, I better do something, and she goes like that to avoid an accident, not acting purposely, but in fact trying to avoid it. Is it sudden, sudden acceleration panic? Those are all possibilities. Um, so some background into Mackenzie. Her parents are Natalie and John Shirilla. Um, we haven't been able to find out too much about them or her family life. I haven't seen anywhere that she had siblings or anything. It just always seems to be her mother, especially, is kind of out there supporting her. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff she has said is like, eh, but I get it when it's your kid, I guess. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Um, So Mackenzie had been dating Dominic Russo for three or four years at the time of the crash. Dominic was 20 years old in 2022, and Mackenzie would have been around 17. Their relationship was described as tumultuous. Mackenzie is said to have spent a lot of time living at Dominic's family's house during their relationship. Dominic's mother spoke to the court after his death and said that he and Mackenzie fought often. Dominic's brother, Angelo, told the court that the pair were very much on again, off again. Um, His brother said, I witnessed a lot of negative behavior from her to my brother. That just kind of pushed away as a big brother figure because she just wasn't fair to him. Christine Russo is Dominic's older sister, and she said that she didn't see the fights in the couple's relationship, but she heard details from Dominic's friends. She said, from what I heard from his buddies and people very close in their age, not that they saw the crash coming, but it wasn't a surprise to a lot of people based off her behavior and how she was. She also said, you would never think in a million years Nobody ever would have thought that this would happen. I think everybody says that when somebody's in a domestic violence situation or if they have an abusive partner, you just don't see that from the outside. It happens behind closed doors. So rewind a bit to two weeks before the crash. On July 17th, 2022, Mackenzie was driving on the interstate and Dominic was in the car with her. They were fighting and Mackenzie was threatening to crash the vehicle. Dominic called his mom at the time asking if she would come pick him up because Mackenzie was acting vicious and abusive. Um, One of his friends ended up going to get him. The friend was on the phone with Dominic when he heard Mackenzie in the background saying, I'll crash this car right now. The friend arrived to get Dominic and he found that the car was pulled over on the side of the road and the passenger side doors opened. And according to court documents, the friend saw Mackenzie striking Dominic with both hands. Dominic then exited the vehicle and left. During another 2022 fight, Dominic recorded Mackenzie making threats. In the recording, Mackenzie can be heard repeatedly degrading Dominic, threatening him, and damaging his property. I think she was she was outside of the door and like banging out, trying to get in. Dominic wasn't comfortable letting her inside the home, and he can be heard on footage trying to calm Mackenzie down. Mackenzie started banging on the door to the home and demanding to be let inside. She was shouting and calling him degrading and highly inappropriate names. She threatened to key his car and to break the door handle, verbally counted down multiple times to force him to let her in. She said, you're going to come open this door right now or there's going to be a serious fucking problem. Dominic stopped recording at that point and called his mom for help. So the day of the crash was July 31st, 2022. 
Mackenzie, Dominic, and their friend Davion had had allegedly all been smoking pot at a friend's home. Around 5.30 a.m., the trio got into Mackenzie's 2018 Toyota Camry. Dominic and Mackenzie were in the front seat. Mackenzie was driving, and Davion was in the back seat. What happened during the ride is unclear, but there is CCTV of Mackenzie driving the vehicle and accelerating to 100 miles per hour before crashing the car into a brick wall. The video we'll put on our Instagram or in the blog. You don't really see the car actually crash, but you can see just how fast she was driving and for how long she was driving that fast and that there was no intention of braking. So you could kind of just see that it seems like it was deliberate. This is the audio from the crash video. It looks like the crash happens right past the outside of the frame or that's when it goes out of frame. News Nation posted a clip and I shared it on our story and someone wrote, you don't really see anything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you don't, but you can kind of, like you absolutely don't see the crash, but you can see the car going to see, crash essentially. You can see something happened at the very end in the very corner, but it's not like a, a great graphic, video of the actual yeah, graphic crash. Graphic full-on video. Yeah. So a passerby came across the wreck 45 minutes after it happened, which is a long time. Uh, I mean, it was pretty early. Dominic and Davion were dead, and Mackenzie was unconscious in the driver's seat, still wearing her fuzzy Prada slippers. Magic mushrooms were found at the scene of the wreck as well. I'm still so shocked just looking at photos of the car that she actually managed to survive. The car is mangled. Um, like, uh, I guess I the, she, the driver's she side yeah, isn't as bad. But she was, and I guess she obviously drove it kind of passenger side into the wall. But, yeah, I still feel like there was no guarantee that she wouldn't have died based on that wreckage footage. Yeah, um, the car is destroyed. The driver's side is a little, like you could still see the driver's side. The rest of the car is just twisted yeah. metal. Um, I think I read that she did have to be extracted out of the car, though, too. But people always say, like, why does the driver always live? And this is kind of one of those situations. Most cars, I feel like, have more protections for the driver to yeah. begin with. More airbags, kind of in a better position. And it does seem like maybe she swerved at the last minute where she maybe got a little bit less of the impact. Imagine, I wonder if when the crash happened, if Dominic and Davion were alive because no one came for 45 minutes like that's a long time to be sitting trapped in a car dying if you didn't die on impact i would be surprised if they didn't die on impact or within minutes just based on that wreckage but yeah i don't know i get absolutely there could have been the delay in someone finding them that caused their death too mackenzie was taken to the hospital and treated for her injuries it was later revealed in court that while she was in the hospital she was actually also searching for modeling jobs in la from her hospital bed so that's where her brain was at. Um, we'll get into a little more when we get into her social media post, but she seems like a conceited person from her <laughs> social media post. Um, she's very pretty, young, cute, want to be a model. So just her searching modeling jobs in her hospital bed kind of seems fitting. But um, So after the crash, her mother, Natalie, posted something on Facebook. The first post was, 
Hi, everyone. Please know we can feel the love and support. We can't be more grateful for everything everyone has said, sent, and done. Her world is shattered, and she's broken physically and emotionally, and so are we. They were each other's world, and all three of them were such good friends. We all loved him so very much. He was part of us. He was her best friend and the love of her life. They were going to get married. There's also a lot of emojis in this. (laughs) She's still in a tremendous amount of pain and had a lot of broken, lacerated everything. She's not out of the woods yet as there's blood clots and and strokes could happen. So she's being monitored for that. One more surgery for her arm and that's tomorrow. Please keep praying. She, we, they makes it through this. She's going to need all... Why does she write she, we, they? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe... I don't know who they is. We yeah, is one. Them. them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, make it through this. She's going to need all the love and support she can get and us too. So much love and keep praying for not only us, but Davion and Dom's families. Um, below are the three GoFundMe pages for each family affected. Everyone needs as much help as they can get. So then there's a link for GoFundMe's for each of them. Obviously, at this point in time, they didn't know that she crashed the car on purpose or what was going on with that. So everyone was a little more sympathetic at this point. Her GoFundMe did get a decent amount of money donated to it. I tried to find it, but I can't find it anymore. There were screenshots, but I couldn't tell like how recent they were, but she did get thousands and thousands of dollars. More Dominic got more than her, but she got more than Davion. I wonder what happens with that money now. Yeah, especially if it's already been paid out. I know I think we did one case where the person was convicted of fraud and had to pay back the GoFundMe, but I guess essentially this isn't really fraud if they were contributing to just for her to have her medical treatment, whatever they were asking for money for. It's a tough one. Yeah, but also because I think if I think it's a GoFundMe rule that criminals, or if you're convicted of a crime, like you can't have a GoFundMe. This was before that, so yeah, I don't know. I'll see if I can find anything on that. Then um, there was an update added to the post. I'm not sure exactly when the update was. I think the original date of the main post was August 4th, so a couple of days after the accident happened. The update says, update on Mackenzie. She had a few surgeries to repair her busted femur, her humerus plates and pins. She's very sore everywhere. Mentally, she's devastated. She's got another surgery to place two stints in her neck coming up. Other than that, she's alive, talking, moving, etc. Please keep her in your thoughts. She needs all the help she can get. Thanks for all the love, support from everyone for all involved in this tragic accident. Oh, and that's signed Steve. So it's the mom's Facebook, but the dad is the one who wrote the update. After Dominic's obituary was posted online, Mackenzie made a bunch of comments and posted photos on it. In a post on August 24th, 2022, she shared a photo of the couple at Universal Studios with the caption, I miss you, Nug. I still feel like you're just going to walk in the door any second. I miss your laugh, your perfect smile. Um, another comment said, God, you are the last person to deserve this. You had ch- such a perfect life ahead of you. I wish I told you all this more. Please wait for me. Throughout August, she posted multiple pictures of the two together, including prom photos. If you actually go on her Instagram now, it's like her profile photo and cover photos are still pictures of them from August 2022 when she posted them. And you can even see there's comments on photos on either her cover photo or the profile picture. Someone wrote a comment said, always remember the good times. And Mackenzie replied and said, I'm hurting so bad. He should be here. I miss him so much. And the person said back, I know, there's no words. And then just lots of like broken heart emojis. On August 9th, someone found a post that she made in a Facebook group called Crystals and More by Goddess 
Elite. And she wrote, hello, I'm in the hospital dealing with a tragic loss. I was wondering if anyone in this group was a psychic that could travel to me because I'm going to be in here for a while and I just need to talk or see if he's still here with me or watching over me. I did have a look to see when I was doing this, see if I could find her Instagram. And I did find one, which is not her. It is Mackenzie Shirilla, but this is the bio. I just think this is so, people are so weird. It says, 19, a parent ran account of Mackenzie, only account. And then like, so the person has reposted, it's obviously not her, but they've reposted her photos. The last caption, if you tried to tear these two apart, they were like solid peas in a pod. Unfortunately, now they won't be able to see each other again. And it's a photo of Mackenzie and a boyfriend. It's just, it's people so are so weird. strange. It's like those weird fan, fan accounts. Account, yeah. Like it could only be explained by the person being like 14 or something. <laughs> That's probably not. I mean, her social media is pretty insufferable. Her Instagram username was Kenzie. Shrilla. Um, one picture that I've seen posted is her in the car. She's got like a fancy looking handbag. I can't really tell what it is. She has a furry pink cover on her steering wheel and she has a joint in her mouth. And um, her captions are always something along the lines of very cocky and obnoxious or I don't, she know, like I don't know the right word. Yeah, very bratty. Mm-hmm. Like this one is they call her baby Kush. <laughs> hashtag no filter needed hashtag face card approved um another one she has massive fake eyelashes eyelash extensions and the caption says woke up feeling like that bitch hashtag explore hashtag explore page hashtag almighty oh hashtag style hashtag style inspo <laughs> and there's more but it cut off there because these are just screenshots she got senior portraits done. Senior portraits are already pretty cringe generally to begin with. A lot of just like posing outside, like leaning on a tree, looking cute. Do you guys like do shit like that? No. Uh, well, I say no, not as far as I know. Um, I never no. did it. I know people do it. It's just like getting cheesy model shots when you're a senior in high school. <laughs> They're kind of embarrassing. Um, but she, since she wanted to be a model, I guess got edgier ones done and she did them in some old abandoned like penitentiary or prison in Ohio and very extra and people are like well that's very fitting since now she's a prisoner but it's like her and photo shoot every day yeah her and like (laughs) club looking outfits in an abandoned prison there's also videos of her a lot of the court hearings and things she did virtually but you know like when you video chat and you could see yourself and sometimes you're just like looking at yourself and how you look there's times where you could tell she's literally just looking at herself in the camera and like posing kind of and like styling her hair and just looking at herself like while the hearings are going on so (laughs) not a great look um anyways back to the story So it took a while for Mackenzie to be arrested, and she was kind of just living her best life in that meantime. She was partying and posting on social media a lot. There is a TikTok that she made that you can find posted around, and she's talking about doing drugs. Um, It's a voiceover, and she's kind of posing and, like, trying to look cute in it. And the voiceover says, I'm not even cool. I'm just one of those girls that can do a lot of drugs and not die. So, weird flex, but okay. (laughs) She was also seen on social media celebrating Halloween. So this would have been October 2022. So a couple months after the accident, she um, dressed up as a corpse and she was also dressed up as marijuana 
she doesn't really look like marijuana, but that's what people say. I don't know. She's wearing like a white dress with a green boa. I actually can't tell which of those two was her. I thought <laughs> I thought the one on the right looks more like marijuana. But I think she's the one on the left, right? Yeah. I think so. Like the body type of the girl who's dressed in the like wrap one looks different. So I think Yeah, because yeah. Mackenzie's very like tall, like lean and, and skinny. skinny. Yeah. Um, there's also pictures of her out as like a corpse or skeleton, kind of like Joker-esque looking makeup, just out with her friends, just you know, taking pictures, like, looking like you're partying, going out, um, looking, wearing scandalous clothes, being crazy. Just very tasteless for someone who's been involved in an accident like that, essentially. Yeah, so at the time, people didn't know that this wasn't an accident. I mean, maybe some people suspected it, but she still hadn't been charged yet. Bullsy. There's also um, people were critiquing also in hind- I don't know when it was, but she was at like a concert very soon after getting out of the hospital as well, like in her wheelchair that people were like, wow, she's just going to concerts. The photo I saw was she was wearing like a bikini. Yeah, like a crochet bikini in her wheelchair. So people were saying that she didn't seem to have much remorse or felt very sad about the fact that she killed two people. All right. So in November 2022, Mackenzie was arrested and charged with murder, aggravated vehicular homicide and felonious assault. So her trial started in August this year and it ran for four days, which isn't very long really. But during the trial, a certified forensic mechanic showed that Mackenzie's car recorder showed that moments before the crash, the accelerator was pushed down at full capacity with no application on the brake. Mackenzie's defense team and her parents gave the story that Mackenzie had lost control of the vehicle due to a medical condition. Her mother, Natalie, said that Mackenzie suffers from postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is a condition that causes dizziness. The condition, which she may have seen abbreviated to POTS, P-O-T-S, is one of a group of conditions that reduces the volume of blood that reaches the heart after the individual stands up. The most common symptom is lightheadedness or dizziness. The mother was asked in court if that could have been the cause of the crash, and her mother said it could have been, which even though she was sitting down, I think like it's a kind of a weird flex stretch type thing, but you know, maybe, I guess. Yeah, and the fact that it never happened before... Yeah, and if she did have this condition, would she have been allowed allowed to drive? To drive like, I yeah. wonder if there would have been conditions on her driver's license if she did have this known condition, for example. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen much else. I'll, I'll try to look again while we talk, but I never even saw like if there's confirmation that she had this. Was there a diagnosis from a doctor? Did they get medical records? I've seen basically nothing even about that. So who knows? If it's even true. The judge spoke briefly about Mackenzie's alleged medical condition during her sentencing. The forensic testimony, the testimony of the first responders, the testimony of the emergency room doctors who treated the defendant, the testimony of the coroner's medical examiner, the testimony of those who knew the victims and the defendant, and the testimony of the BMV official who provided evidence that not only did the defendant deny any medical condition when applying for her license, which her mother co-signed and attested to, but also that just after the accident, Mackenzie renewed her driver's license and again denied any medical condition. Her mother's uncorroborated statements without any medical testimony or records is not persuasive. So Mackenzie's aunt also testified in her defense. She said that the claims that we spoke about earlier that were made by Dominic's family about their turbulent relationship were false. 
She told the court that Dominic and Mackenzie were very much in love. The prosecutors, though, said that Mackenzie was on a mission of death and that she saw her way out of their toxic relationship through the accident and that she'd actually scouted the route a week before she killed him. And they also said that Davion was just cargo and that, you know, he she wouldn't have killed him. He was just there and he died because he was there. The common pleas judge, Nancy Margaret Russo, said she didn't believe any of Mackenzie's stories. She said that Mackenzie was literal hell on wheels. The judge said her actions were controlled, methodical, deliberate, intentional, and purposeful. This was not reckless driving. This was murder. The judge said the video clearly shows the purpose and intent of the defendant. She chose a path of death and destruction on that day. She also said that Mackenzie chose the time of day, which was 5.30 a.m., to drive and cause the accident because many witnesses will not be around. She chose the route, um, I guess, based on the building and that she said she didn't routinely travel that way but had visited a few days before. The judge said she had a mission and she executed it with precision. The mission was death. There can be no doubt as to the absolute terror of the two people in that car, and this was not reckless driving. This was murder. Mackenzie was convicted on 12 charges, including four counts of murder, four counts of felonious assault, and two counts of aggravated vehicular homicide. These charges carry an automatic sentence of life in prison with no opportunity of parole for 15 years. So the families involved spoke before Mackenzie was sentenced. Dominic's mother, Christine, said to her, Mackenzie, going to prison because you did this, be thankful that you're still alive and have a future, whatever that may be. Dom and Davion robbed of their futures, their hopes, and their dreams. Mackenzie showed no mercy on Dominic, nor did she on Davion. Only God at this time can have mercy on her soul. I'm I'm Christine Russo. I'm Dominic's mother. No one wanted this to be a murder. Or to punish Mackenzie Shirilla for this accident. But this was not a car accident. The evidence and science proved that Mackenzie Shirilla murdered my son, Dominic, as well as Davion. There's no fix put in in this case, as the Shirillas would like to proclaim. I want to thank Strongsville Police Department and the state of Ohio for seeking the truth behind this crash. Thanks to them, we all know what happened in that car that day. What we don't know is why. I wish I could change this every day. I lost three children in that crash. Not a minute goes by each day that I don't think about my son, as well as Davion. My heart is forever broken. The cries heard from the Shrill family and friends after the verdict are nothing more than a lack of remorse. Mackenzie Cirilla had a choice. Dom and Davion did not. We are all left here to mourn. But what Dave, Dom, Enoch, and Davion lost can never be remedied in any way or by any particular sentence. July 31st, 2022, I called Mackenzie's mother hysterical with the loss of my son and Davion. I knew Mackenzie was in the hospital, and the first statement said to me was, oh, please don't listen to what everyone's saying on Facebook. Yeah, my son is dead, his friend is dead, and I'm checking on yours. Yet social media what's important. Social media has made a game out of the life of Mackenzie 
and is making a game out of this heart-wrenching tragedy. No one can imagine the pain of losing a child unless they have lost one themselves. The pain is forevermore. Time does not heal this wound. Mackenzie, going to prison because you did this. Be thankful that you're still alive and have a future, whatever that may be. Dom and Davion were robbed of their futures, their hopes, and their dreams. Mackenzie showed no mercy on Dominic, nor did she on Davion. Only God at this time can have mercy on her soul. Thank you. Davion's mother spoke about how devastated their family were by his death. His sister said, I feel stuck. I feel like I can't move forward and I feel lost. I would like you to give Mackenzie the longest possible sentence. I've known her for about three years and she's always taking the easy way out. Mackenzie's mother begged for leniency in court. She addressed the families and she said, I'm broken, sad and lost and my heart hurts for everyone. Davion was her new friend and Dom was the love of her life and part of our family. While her mother was speaking, Mackenzie could be seen in the background crying. I'm going to put in the whole clip of Mackenzie's mom talking to the judge before her sentencing. I do think it is, it's a pretty crazy statement. You tell that the mom cares about a lot of stuff that doesn't really matter at this point anymore. A lot of little nitpicky things about her social image. But I think it kind of gives some insight into maybe why Mackenzie is the way she is and how she behaved and how she portrayed herself online before all of this happened. So I think it's interesting. Can you start with your name? My name is Natalie Shirilla. Um, I just want to say, am I allowed to address them at all? Sure. I just want to say to the families that I'm broken, sad, and lost, and my heart hurts for everyone, okay? Davion was her new friend. And Dom was the love of her life, and he was part of our family, okay? I'm just so sorry that this happened, and we're heartbroken, okay? And then, Your Honor, this was a terrible, tragic nightmare accident to have happened that she has no memory of, and she will never emotionally or physically recover of it, recover from it. Um, she almost died, too. And we're asking that you please not run the sentence as consecutive. He was family, and we all loved each other. That morning of the accident... She called, I got a phone call that she, there was a car accident, okay? So we went to the hospital, and I didn't even know who was in the car. The names had not been confirmed yet. And I was like, I'm going to cry because I missed Dom so much. We loved him so much. So I called Dom, like, over and over again, praying that he was going to answer the phone, and he didn't answer the phone. So then I tried to call his mom, and she didn't answer the phone either. And I still didn't know who was in the car. I didn't even know if she was alive. I didn't know what was happening. So then we were in the waiting room, and then his mom ended up, did she did call me, so I answered the phone, and I was like, oh my God, like, I don't even know who was in the car, like, what's happening, was that Dom? And she said, what do you mean, my son is dead? And I was like, I'm so sorry, and then she said something like, and now I have to wait until your kid's out of the hospital, and then I didn't hear the rest. I just, I was like, I, we loved him so much, and I hung up the phone. I did not talk about social media, I didn't even know what was going on yet, okay? So then, that was it. So in the hospital, that Vitality post, I commented on that because somebody had called her a murderer, okay? And she would, she's not a murderer, so she didn't even have her phone at that point because the police had still had it, okay? So um, I jumped on, and I was like, you know, she's not a murderer. She's 
more sad than hurt than most of these people commenting. Um, she's been trying to get in touch with you. I mean, at that point, it was just an accident. So I commented on her behalf, not because of the modeling opportunity. I don't even, who cares about that? I don't want them to refer to her as a murderer, okay? And I don't even know how that commented got on the phone because the police still had her device and she could not access her phone or social media. That's why I did it. And um, I had called them asking if they could shut down social media because people were calling her a murderer and making death threats and organizing groups to, you know, take her out when she got out of the hospital and stuff. So I didn't even want her phone. I don't care about her phone. I don't care about social media. I just wanted them to stop calling her a murderer so that when she did come to and she did come out of surgery, multiple surgeries, that she wouldn't see all these people calling her a murderer because she would never, ever, ever murder the love of her life. Okay? Halloween. For three months after the accident, she would only wear his clothes. She would only eat the snacks he ate. She would only listen to the music he wrote, okay? She was laying in bed for three months crying. There was a shrine of him next to her with photos and things that he liked and this flower that lights up that he got her because he wanted it to be fresh and alive forever. It's like a little Beauty and the Beast flower. Okay, she's got this shrine of him next to her. So she was crying for three months. So her friends asked if she wanted to go out trick-or-treating or to Halloween, and it was at OU. And she didn't even want to go. She said, I don't know, should I go? She couldn't even walk yet, barely. So I told her, I said, baby, please go. It's Halloween. You've been laying for three months crying, only listening to his music. Please go have just a moment of fun, a moment of fun. So we told her to go. My husband drove her. I brought her back home. She just needed a second of fun from losing her whole world, her whole world. So that was us. We told her to go. And that concert she went to with Dom's cousin, Abby, they picked her up. They brought her there. That was Dom, Mackenzie and Dom and Abby all decided to go to this concert together while they were in the hospital. That was for Dom. Everything she did after the accident was either in honor of him, to be close to him, or just be by him any way that she can. She's like devastated and tragic. He was the air that she breathes, okay? And they went with his cousin. We spent all kinds of time with him after the accident. Um, what was the other thing? Dominic, okay, I'm asking you for a leniency because this was a tragic accident that she does not remember. And da Davion, we don't, I, he's a new friend. And I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. No. God, no, not at all. They all, they all loved each other. They all spent every day together. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know Isn't too much for him. Sorry? It's not a problem at all. It's, it was it's wonderful. I understand. I understand what it looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it was a tragic accident. She would never. I understand. I understand. But anyway, that's it. I just wanted to address those. We told her to go to those things, and then she did go with Dom's family. So look at that. Don't look at it with the look at that. Look on that with different eyes if you can, please. This is that. Those things are not relevant. Not at all. Not at all. 
Not at all. But she's a good, if you would t if you would have a moment, all you would need is five minutes of a conversation to have with her to learn who she is. Just that you would just need five minutes to learn who she is and what she's capable of not doing and doing, and you would see for yourself. That's all. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I love you. The judge really had it out for Mackenzie. Yeah, I, I feel like she saw through the bullshit and that she was just a spoiled, brattish child. Yeah, and it's interesting because they decided this wasn't like a jury trial, which I think probably would have gone better for Mackenzie if they did a jury yeah. trial. I think it was weirdly the defense that decided to do a bench trial, which basically means that the judge just decides and the judge did not believe her stories and stuff at all. But I do kind of feel like... A jury might have been a better choice for her. I think this backfired yeah, she may on them. Found someone to give her a little bit of sympathy or empathy, and the judge wasn't having any of it. So Natalie asked the judge for non-consecutive sentences. Do you want to talk about your bit, the examples there, then, or? Oh yeah. So her mom asked for non-consecutive sentences, and I always get confused about this because there is concurrent and consecutive. Concurrent and consecutive sentences so if it gives an example because otherwise it's kind of hard to explain it says say a jury convicts a defend convicts a defendant of two charges the judge sentences her to three years in prison for count one and two years in prison for count two so that's a total of five years altogether consecutive sentences would mean that she'll serve count one for three years and then count two for two years so all five years back to back that's consecutive Concurrent would be that she would serve them simultaneously. So she would only serve three years because she'd be serving the two year sentence while doing the three years. So concurrent sentences, you just kind of take like the maximum basically of all of the charges. So I feel like she, even though she term, like the terminology she used was non consecutive, she was actually asking for concurrent. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If that is, that's how I determine. So when you really want someone anyway. to be punished, you want them to get consecutive. Yeah, because it's one after the other. Yeah, and you have to serve the whole time, all five years. Concurrent means you just kind of serve whichever one has the longest, and that counts yeah. for all of them. So Mackenzie didn't speak during the trial, but she did speak before she was sentenced. She said, the families of Dominic and Davion, I'm so deeply sorry. I hope one day you can see I would never let this happen or do it on purpose. Families. I'm not a Davion. I'm so deeply sorry. I hope one day you can see I would never let this happen or do it on purpose. I wish I could remember what happened. I'm just so sorry. I'm heartbroken. I love Dom and Davion. We were all friends and Dom was my soulmate. I wish I could take all your pain away. And I'm so sorry. And to my family, thank you for the support and all the love you guys give. Thank you. And I've read that in the court, she had like some friends who are like, not guilty, and you know, yelling out stuff like that. I love you, girl. So the judge sentenced Mackenzie to two concurrent 15 years to life sentences. The judge said, I understand that the pain in this room wants me to impose the harshest sentence, but I don't believe that would be the appropriate sentence because I do believe that Mackenzie will not be out in 15 years. So consecutive, she would have gotten 30 years. 
concurrent, she's getting 15 years because she's serving them both at the same time. But 15 years to life. So I think that she could Uh, apply for parole. It doesn't mean that she will get out then, which is what I think the judge is saying. Um, I don't know. I'm obviously speculating, but I feel like the judge thinks that she's young and maybe there is a chance for her to be rehabilitated. rehabilitated, So maybe she doesn't deserve the 30 years in jail, but maybe she does deserve longer than 15 years. Because I was too busy still trying to figure out the consecutive versus concurrent. <laughs> I need to have two totally separate words. I know. Oh, so. <laughs> um, so during the court proceedings, Mackenzie had apparently suggested that a loss of license would be enough punishment. <laughs> the judge spoke about that. She said during the investigation, she asked if they could just suspend her license for 10 years. It's hard to fathom how a person could be concerned about their driving privileges, having just been responsible for the deaths of two people. Tim Troop, who's from the prosecutor's office, spoke to the media after the verdict. He said, we put plenty of that sort of evidence in front of the judge. There is no doubt that this happened because of the relationship with Dominic and that the defendant's intent was to clearly end that and that she took everyone in the car with her. Not that I know anything about Mackenzie, her family, her life, really. There's not a ton of background info. But from what you can gather online, she does come off very spoiled. I don't know if her family was wealthier, if she was just a spoiled kid, but she just seems like an idiot in the sense that <laughs> very naive, like no. I feel like she's just entitled. I don't even know if it's naive. I think it's like she just thinks that she can get away with whatever she wants. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like she just doesn't have any idea about consequences. I feel like she just doesn't think that far ahead in that it's maybe because she was spoiled her whole life, never really had any consequences. Clearly, she was just out partying Um, doing drugs, driving around very late at night all the time. Her parents didn't seem to be very strict with her or anything like that. So I think she just thought she would get away with it, thought that it wouldn't matter, thought she would be able to lie and get away with it. Yeah. Um, So there's tons of talk online about this case. There's a lot of different theories. One is people think that it was a failed murder-suicide, which I don't think it is. I think she's too narcissistic to kill herself. Yeah, and I don't even think how... The prosecution was saying, like, she planned this down to the detail. She knew that she was going to kill him. I don't even think she did. I honestly think there's probably an argument, and she made a very impulsive decision. I think from the other shit that you see, she clearly had anger issues and was very impulsive. And I feel like something happened where she was just like, fuck this, fuck this and just yeah. drove into a wall at 100 miles per hour. I, I don't really think she plotted this because I did, even though they're like, she visited, she drove by that area, like, whatever day before she like plotted the route i saw someone else who lived in that area that was also saying like she was trash so it's not like they were trying to stand up for her they're like honestly it's like a common shortcut that a lot of people use so i don't think it's like especially weird that she was seen driving past there or anything um but i agree with you i don't think she ever had a plan to kill herself i feel like too she just doesn't seem to be very intelligent and absolutely i don't mm-hmm. think she thought it through because there was no guarantee that she wouldn't die especially based on the actual impact of the crash like it's not like she you know guaranteed a way to crash the car that she wouldn't be injured or die yeah she was, she was in hospital for months so she was you know relatively injured um i just feel like she just thought exactly what you said fuck this i'm gonna do this and like i'm gonna show just really believed that she would be fine and you know she was yeah i I agree. That's what I think. Because she's also at that age, even me thinking back when I was 17 years old, you just don't think that far ahead or that in depth sometimes in the real world. There's stuff, even that I look back on now, obviously not this fucking insane, but just things that I did that I thought was an acceptable thing to do where looking back now, it's so fucking embarrassing. Like the way you just overreact 
to things as a teen. Yeah. So yeah, I think she was just spoiled bratty and was used to getting her way if she had a fit. Yep, exactly. I think she did on purpose. I don't think it's like she's in jail as an innocent person. I feel like she did it on purpose, but I don't know if she really thought about what would happen. I don't know mm-hmm. if she maybe did really mean to kill him. Like it wouldn't surprise me if she did, but I feel like maybe she was just doing it to for the dramatics of it all. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like she didn't go out and say I'm going to kill him today. I feel I like she's like look yeah. Like don't get me wrong, I think she absolutely should be in jail for what she did, but I feel like she probably just wasn't very intelligent and didn't think about the outcomes of her actions. No emotional maturity, I guess. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for her, but I'm not. I think she is a fucking idiot that should be in jail. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying I don't think it was like the same thing you're saying. It wasn't like this calculated plan where she like planned out in her head and was like, I'm going to do it. He's going to be dead. This is going to be great. Yeah. Um, I think it was more for the dramatics. And I did see like local people saying online like he was trying to break up with her. So maybe it was just like a... I'll show you. Yeah, like, I'll show yeah. you. And, like, now we're going to survive this car crash together and blah, blah, blah. And I could even see her considering things like, well, I'll, I'll break my leg and I'll be in jail. I'll be in jail. I'll be in hospital for yeah. a few weeks and everyone will feel sorry and I can, you know, you know, get sympathy. Yeah, and she's make definitely while I'm in hospital and that type of person. Yeah. So I think that's more what she was thinking of. Yeah. Um, another thing that was brought up, which is interesting, I couldn't find like a ton of information about it, but I kept seeing people being like, oh, it's the Russo family, like as if they're the the Murdochs, Dominic's family. And I guess that his mother was actually an attorney that worked for the prosecutor's office a while ago. Like she ended up losing her job there in 1994 because she was arrested for possession of marijuana and she also ran for judge so people are saying how their family is generally pretty well connected like they know the prosecutors i think the mom is still a practicing attorney i couldn't really find anything but like she was involved in politics so people always wonder if that's another reason why the judge was very much like fuck this girl (laughs) um but yeah that's really it there was a comment online i think this is this is the girl who said that about the the road that it was a common shortcut she said as someone who knows her personally Mackenzie lived her life believing she was invincible and no one but her knows what happened in that car i don't buy that she doesn't remember however i don't think she got into the car that night with the intention of killing anyone i think she made an impulsive snap decision while in an altered state of mind while she knew the consequences of her actions i don't think the reality of them ever set in while her foot was on the gas. I think the snap judgment was more of an act of attempted suicide rather than murder. Mackenzie is a lot of things, but a calculated murderer is not one of them. She took two lives, and I'm not defending that. She made a choice and deserves to face the consequences. I'm rather looking at the person I knew and not believing this to be seriously premeditated, which I agree with. I besides, that goes along with what we've just said. Besides the much. suicide thing, I don't think she was no, no suicidal. Too. But even that how they were trying to say that there was no like psych evaluation psych report on her anything like that it just seems like she should have gotten a better lawyer (laughs) crazy story yeah this social media post is what really makes it just (laughs) like absurd but we'll post all those on the blog we'll post them on instagram too so um what do you want to do next btk yep All right. So earlier this week, there were some updates in the BTK case. We did post, I think, maybe a few weeks ago that they were searching his original property. Did we speak about that in the last episode? Yeah, we we did. We spoke about it somewhere. Um, Yeah. I think a little bit more came out about that since then, about 
how they found kind of like a hidey hole or whatever it was referred to. That was literally the quote in the article. I would never say hidey hole. But they found, <laughs> um, what was it? What is it called when you like tie people up? Uh, like a lig- uh, ligature. No, like the uh, sex. Binding or something. Bondage. Bondage. Yeah. Bondage. <laughs> <laughs> they found like bondage material in this that they're, they're going to test for DNA and stuff. So after those searches, this week they released some new sketches that were made by the BTK, BTK killer. The sketches showed three band and gag women in different barns, and the investigators have said they believe the barns could be in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. So just as a quick background, if you're not familiar with BTK, his real name is Dennis Rader. He gave himself, which makes me laugh, he gave himself his own nickname, which was BTK, which stands for Bind, Torture, and Kill. He's an American serial killer who murdered 10 people between 1974 and 1991. He did occasionally kill or attempt to kill men and children, but he generally targeted women. His victims were often bound, sometimes with subjects from their home, and they were suffocated with either plastic bags or manually strangled with ligatures. He wasn't arrested until 2005. I found this interesting. When he was taken into custody, an officer asked him, Mr. Raider, do you know why you're going downtown? And he replied, oh, I have suspicions why. He's smug. He's still smug. Always has been smug. Yeah. I saw someone today when I was trying to read like a little bit more about this. They were like, can we stop calling him by his like self-given nickname, BTK, yeah. and start just fo- calling him fucking Dennis? <laughs> like- <laughs> and you know what? Even his middle name is Lynn, Dennis Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Lynn. Let's just really upset him and stop calling him BTK. So he was convicted. He's currently serving 10 consecutive life sentences. Mm. So now we all know what that means. Um, after his arrest, police recovered hundreds of sketches and drawings. Police continue still to this day to work his case. Just last month, he was named as the prime suspect in the 1976 disappearance of 16-year-old teen Cynthia Dawn Kinney from Oklahoma and in the 1990 murder of 22-year-old Shauna Beth Garber from Missouri. So after police released the new sketches this week, they made a statement. They said, we're hoping that releasing by releasing these, someone might recognize one of these barns or the unique features in them or the closeness of the silo to the barn or possibly maybe have even found out items that they didn't know what they were that could be very important to the case. They said, even if the barn's not there anymore, we would like this information. So there was three images that I've seen. The first one, we posted them on our Instagram and I'll, put, I'll make a blog to and put them up if you want to have a look. They are pretty terrifying. Like now that you know who drew them and what they are, they are pretty terrifying. Yeah, they're, they're really creepy. Just creepy. Yeah. One drawing shows a young female who is gagged and is sitting with her arms and legs bound. And there's black piping running throughout the barn walls. Um, that I guess that's what the police think may be an identifier. The sheriff said the reason that you would have that is if you were moving livestock through there and those bars would keep the livestock from hitting the tin or wood on the outside of the barn. So if an animal hit it, you know, they wouldn't go through and dent up the tin or knock the wood off. So I'm guessing, you know, that's they've been very specific about these kind of details. They have said that they believe this sketch could be linked to a missing woman who was last seen in Kansas in 1991, but her name hasn't been made public in connection with this case. Sheriff Verdon said, we know from things Dennis said on this exact photograph that it was a drawing he created from an actual barn. The second drawing shows a female in a red top and she's bound and gagged. And the sheriff said that this barn had wood slats. So in the background, you can see he's done kind of two horizontal slats and one vertical slat. The sheriff said this would be a barn that had wood slats, you know, possibly a rounded post, but in that area of the barn, what would have possibly a wooden floor. You see it a lot of times in tack rooms, inside barns or feed rooms in storage. They wouldn't leave a dirt floor because they didn't have livestock in that area. 
The third sketch shows a female lying down in what appears to be a barn loft and she's tied to a staircase post and that's what investigators are looking at. The sheriff said the support post appears to have a bracket and then a bolt that bolts through to hold everything together. I think this is the scariest photo, I think, because they've kind of CGI enhanced it or whatever they've done, but it looks, it reminds me of Saw. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. Swirling, I guess it's meant to be wood kind of grain, but it just reminds me of Saw, like her mouth looks all It's supposed to be like um, something covering her mouth, but it looks like Joker-esque. Yeah. And she's standing up like she's got binds around kind of her knees and her thighs, it looks like. And it's I, I find that is definitely the creepiest one. Yeah, I just I generally have so many questions about this because they give basically no context, really. They say, like, this is believed to be one of BTK's victims. Is it like one of the victims you already know about? Are these, I guess, they're new victims that they're trying to figure out where they were? But also these Barn. I don't know what they're expecting from people because these barn pictures, the actual backgrounds, Could be any barn. Literally, if someone was like, "Draw a barn," it's something I would draw. <laughs> it's just like wood panels. So really, it should just be like anyone with barns in these states, please check them. <laughs> let us know because we need to check all of them. And if you used to have a barn that's gone now, also let us know. There's no defining features about them. No. When I we posted the photos on our Instagram, there were a lot of comments from people who believe that these are actual fantasy drawings. They're not real. They just represent what he would have liked to have done. But I do find it interesting that they do think the first sketch is related to a missing person. Um, I'd like to know more about that. But even on the other ones, they wrote, this is believed to be one of BTK's victims. They're very, it's very um, ambiguous and vague. So BTK's daughter, Kerry Rawson, spoke to CNN recently. She said, my father absolutely loves barns and silos. Every time we drove around going camping, fishing to college, he'd absolutely say this one, like he said, I want to retire here. And then he would tease my mum about it. And then after he was arrested, we found out that he had massive fantasies about those specific locations. So now we're driving around trying to find those by memory and noting them because we need to go see if there is anyone missing or buried there. I can't even imagine. Imagine that just is another discussion. Imagine finding out that your father is a serial killer. I listened to an interview with her and she's like, well, obviously she's like, we had no idea. You know, we would never in a million years have thought that this is what he would have done. Yeah. And just one other quick sad update, which we did post on our Instagram, but I wanted to make sure that no one missed it, is there was an update about Johannes Kadane, who we featured two or three episodes ago. He was actually found deceased. His body was actually found before our episode was released. It was found on August 29, so there was, but there was nothing released until just this week about it. His body was found in the San Francisco Bay. Investigators went to the area after they got calls about an unresponsive person in the water. So if I remember off the top of my head, I think he went missing on the 13th. Yeah. So his body was found more than two weeks after he disappeared. He was taken back to land and pronounced dead by paramedics who didn't attempt to resuscitate him due to, quote, his subject's presenting physiologic condition. The press release said the remains exhibited signs of advanced decomposition, prolonged exposure to the aquatic environment and appreciable depredation. The body was so decomposed when it was retrieved that his remains were unidentifiable and that they needed to do an autopsy and in further investigation. Um, when they did the autopsy, they did determine that he died from blunt force injuries with drowning as a contributing factor and that his death has been ruled a suicide. Um, we had, so when I posted that on our Instagram, we had some people like, how could he have been suicide and blunt force injuries? But basically when you, I think we discussed it in the episode, but when you jump from a height that high, even if you jump into water, which is, you know, essentially if you were just swimming in it, it would be fine. But landing on the water is like hitting concrete from Mm -hmm. that depth. So 
I have no doubt he would have had probably breaks and fractures and things like that when he jumped. And I guess too, you would think like just for people who haven't really looked into it that much, you would think that maybe if you jumped off a bridge, your cause of death would probably be drowning, which it did contribute to his cause of death. But I feel like firstly, you would be very, very injured and that would be probably what would have caused your death. It is sad that he didn't die on impact because drowning to me indicates he was still breathing in the water. Hopefully unconscious because hitting the water like that is definitely gonna um like debilitate you just like it's just yeah it's sad that he didn't pass away straight away yeah but hopefully he was unconscious and he didn't suffer because it would be a horrendous way to die um if it if it took a while i thought was interesting we got so many messages about this one and not to be like oh it wasn't this big spectacle of a case it was pretty small one it wasn't major news But I feel like this case really connected with a lot of people. A lot of people felt connected to him and were invested in what was going to happen to him. And when we posted that he was found dead in the water, a lot of people messaged saying that it made them feel pretty sad. And I feel like this is a good example. Well, I don't want to make an example out of him, but it's, you know, when people always say, well, he wouldn't have taken his life because, and I'm not talking about him, I'm just talking about in general when people say things like, why would he have taken his life? He had everything to live for. He had a great job. He had a future. He had a great education. And you know, in the end, sometimes that's not enough. People struggle and um, there's people who seem the happiest and who seem successful have these internal struggles that often we never, ever know about. So you can never, ever know what someone is going through under the surface. Based, even, you know, if they see like the happiest person alive, you don't know what, what they're going through. It's kind of, I think one reason why it probably sticks with people too is because it's almost similar to like um, a stranger abduction or a stranger murder where like a random person just gets abducted or murdered by someone they don't even know. It's like there's no explanation. There's no reason why usually it's just like a random event. Whereas this, since it seems like he had such a promising life and career and like, you know, his family didn't come out and say like he struggled with depression or anything like that, that it almost seems shocking as shocking as like a stranger abduction because there's no like oh well he was really depressed or like he was really struggling or he was sad that like someone in his family died it seems like there's no explanation and that's scary to people for someone to seem like they have a happy promising life to go jump off a bridge yeah and even like you know i i feel we did when we did the episode on alan white Mm -hmm. his death i think was ended up being a homicide but you know people who do take their lives still go about their daily lives they fill up their cars with gas they get groceries you know they do it until the very last you know second because that's what you have to do you can't just you know lay there and wait for whatever the time that you've picked to come people still go about their lives and just make a decision i guess in the end when they want to end it yeah and i do wonder i said this in the comments on patreon if there's anything on his computer, any note or anything. Yeah. Because like he specifically, he went there knowing he was going to do this. He brought his two computers and they were found on the grass and maybe he was like sitting with them on the grass doing stuff on his computer. Did he leave some sort of note, anything? I doubt we'll ever find out. No. But they seem hopefully like quite something. a private family. So yeah, I don't think we will hear much more. Yeah. Um, it's very sad story i feel bad for obviously the whole family but his brother was the one that was like on tv um being the spokesperson seemed very upset and distraught about the whole thing so just feel sad for them i guess at least it's an outcome and they know now they can start grieving but yeah a very sad outcome yeah 
All right. Well, that is it for this episode. Like we said, there's a lot of pictures for the various cases that we talked about. So they'll all be on the blog and on our Instagram if you guys want to see the posts and the BTK sketches we're referring to. Just go check them out there. Um, on Instagram, we're True Crime Society. I was posting updates there. My Instagram is stephsum underscore if you want to see what we're up to. Olivia's is TCS Olivia. So check us out there. We have Patreon. We do weekly bonus episodes there. They're usually about a half hour long. So, you know, just like a fun little extra snippet. Also, all these episodes are ad-free and they... The main episodes come out a day earlier, so early release. Um, Plus, the Patreon community is nice. It's just another place to comment and chat about everything that's going on. Check us out there as well. Spotify, leave us good reviews, comments, all that. Make sure you follow us on all the platforms. And share with your friends. Share on your Instagrams. All the usual stuff. Um, So that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe out there. Peace out. See ya.